Today our topic is going to be fear and trust, and we're taking it from a passage in Proverbs that I think is fascinating. And so I'd like for you to read it with me to begin with, and then uh, we will talk about some of the uh, Hebrew behind it, okay? So the passage is Proverbs 29, 25, and it goes like this. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I think I've told you before that in the Hebrew language, uh, most of the Proverbs, these two-line Proverbs, consist of four words in the first line and three words in the second line. This is a classic uh, proverb that has that pattern. And if I were giving you the, the raw translation of the Hebrew words, it would go something like this. Trembling man gives snare. And uh, I'm going to stop there because I want to focus on the first half of this before we go to the second half, which has another um, extremely exciting thought to it. But this first passage, the, the first half of the proverb, um, trembling is another word for fear. So fear of man leads to a snare. You think about snare. Um, this, is a, this is a, I guess, a hunting term or a trapping term. We lived in the uh, northwest Montana for a number of years, and there were people there that trapped, and um, they used snares to trap their game. And so the concept of this passage is that when you fear man, it will prove to be a snare. It's something that will grab you in a negative way. It, you know, in the case of animals that are trapped for their hides, let's say, uh, it leads to their death. Um, oftentimes the snare is not what kills them, but when the, uh, the tender of the snare comes along and sees an animal in the snare, then they're... Um, put to death. But uh, in the same way, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. Let's talk a little bit about some of the situations from the Bible where that was true. One of the first thoughts that comes to my mind is, do you remember what it was like when uh, Moses sent the spies into the land of Canaan to spy out the land? It was never his intent that they would come back and say, we should not go in. That was a given. Uh, they had planned to go in. It was something that God had commanded them to do. And so uh, he, him sending spies in was just a way of, of getting information about the land and how they would go about doing things. But when the spies went into the land and they saw the size of some of the inhabitants in terms of their physical stature. There were some giants in the land. And also some of the walled cities and the, the difficulty in the natural that defeating those enemies would be. They came back and said, we can't do it. We shouldn't go into the land. And so the fear of man motivated their report. Did it prove to be a snare? Oh my goodness, do you remember what happened? As they gave their report, the people took on the, uh, their advice 
And they begin to weep and wail. And they begin to accuse Moses of bringing them into the wilderness just for them to die at the hands of these awful enemies. And so they, they refused to go in. And their fear was what proved to be a snare to them. And God said, God was, was disgusted. He was angry because he never intended that they would be able to figure it all out on their own or by their own might and power, overpower everybody that was in the land. He intended to help them and by supernatural means to overcome the enemy. But they didn't factor that in and they allowed the fear of man to overcome them. And it proved to be a snare that cost many of them their lives. God said, I'm not going to let a single one of you go into the land who's fighting age at this time. And so they wandered in the wilderness 40 years until the last person who heard that report and had reacted in fear passed away. So that was a snare for the children of Israel, the fear of man. Let's look at another case. Do you remember back in Genesis when Abraham um, went to the land of Egypt because of a famine in the land of Canaan? And he went there to live just until the famine passed in Canaan and then he could return. And evidently his wife was beautiful. And so as he went to the land of Canaan, he thought, Uh, My wife is beautiful, and these men in Egypt are going to kill me so that they can have my wife. So I'm going to tell them that she's my sister. Now, if you're thinking this through, it's not like they're not going to go ahead and still try to, um, if I can use a vernacular, hit on his wife. It's just that they would be more free in doing it. And he would be off the hook, but she's still very much on the hook. And the fear of man in this case proved to be um, a real um, snare to Abraham. And uh, he went ahead with it, told them she was his sister, and there was difficulty there. And finally, they, they figured out that this woman was his wife. And the king of Egypt comes to him and says, why did you lie to me? And so it was a great uh, poor testimony on the fact of Abra- on the part of Abraham towards the Lord and his trust in him. And uh, evidently he passed on that tendency to his son Isaac because Isaac did the very same thing with a king by the name of Abimelech when he moved close to him because of uh, famine again or uh, Abimelech, uh, Isaac said that, that his wife, Rebekah, was his sister. And one day somebody saw um, Isaac and Rebekah uh, loving each other. And they said, what is this? You don't do that with your sister. Who is this woman? And he confessed that she was his wife. And that became a snare and a real detriment to the testimony of the Lord. One other thing that comes to mind from the Old Testament is uh, this whole thing of, of when the nation of Israel finally did go into the land of Canaan, the instructions from God were drive out the inhabitants, uh, don't let a single one live when you go to battle against them because they'll become a snare to you. There's that word again, snare. 
And uh, he knew that God knew that anybody left alive would draw Israel away from their commitment to God and into idolatry. And so when they went into the land, they mostly eliminated the inhabitants, which was the order of God, but not all. Some of the tribes were afraid to engage some of the people that they encountered. And so um, they left, left people there. And what happened? Well, after Joshua passed away and some of the elders of Israel who were part of that initial conquest, people began to relax in their commitment to God. They forgot the command of God that said, don't engage with the people of the land or they'll lead you astray. They'll lead you from your commitment to me. And so they began to intermarry with these people that were left. And guess what? Those people led them astray from their, their God, their commitment to God. Eventually, even one of the great kings of Israel, Solomon, was led astray by his ungodly wives, maybe some of whom were these inhabitants that were left in the land. And so uh, their fear uh, to engage in battle with some of the inhabitants led to leaving them in place, which led to them um, influencing the Israelites to turn away from God and to commit um, idolatry. So... There's another passage that uh, is a, a different way of saying what we're reading in the first part of Proverbs 29, 25. And I'd look, like for you to look at that with me right now. It's from Psalm 37, verse 8. Refrain from anger and turn away from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. That's another way of saying, don't be afraid. It leads only to evil. Have you found that to be true in your life? I've found it to be true in my life. When I'm afraid, I'm uptight, I'm short with people, I do things that I wouldn't normally do, I, I'm not as considerate of others, I become selfish, and so all kinds of evil happens, I've noticed in my life, when I'm afraid. That's why throughout the Bible, uh, one of the commands you'll hear more than, well, maybe not more than any other, but w very frequently is the command, do not be afraid or do not fear or fret not as in this case. And uh, that's because God knows that fear is something that can lead us into evil and uh, it will become a snare to us if we allow the fear of man to dominate in our lives. Okay, well, let's keep talking about this subject. Uh, what do we do then when we are afraid? Because the emotion of fear is something that strikes all of us. And we can say that we're going to be free of fear in our lives. We're never going to think another fearful thought. And then, boom, tomorrow something will happen that triggers an immediate rush of fear. And what do we do in those circumstances? I'd like you to look at Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid, 
What can mere mortals do to me? Let's take verse 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. So in those moments when we're experiencing fear, I want to encourage us as a class to commit ourselves to putting our trust in the Lord. Um, You say, well, how do you do that? When you're trembling with fear and something has gripped you, how do you just drop that and put your trust in the Lord? One of the things that we need to do is just to commit to do it. Uh, So it's like an, an automatic reaction. When I'm afraid, I make the choice to trust in the Lord. And I say, Lord, I'm terribly afraid right now, but I've made this commitment to you, and I'm going to keep it. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. And so, God, today I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of this situation. I'm afraid of this person, but I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to trust that you're going to take care of this. I'm going to trust that um, you're going to calm the uh, person that I'm afraid of right now, the person that I'm going to have to go see that I'm not sure how it's going to go. I'm going to trust you for that situation. And so you do that. and You make that a habit in any of the situations that you find yourself in. Well, that's a, that's a tremendous thing to be able to do. And uh, so um, what I'd like for us to do now is go back and we're going to look at at Proverbs 29, 25, and we're going to focus on the second half of that verse. Let's read the whole thing together, and if you want to read it aloud with me at home, that would be great. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Again, I want to look at that last line, and let's talk about what the Hebrew words actually say. They actually say something like this. Trusting the Lord sets high. Trusting the Lord sets high. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's an interesting thing you say. Well, set high and kept safe. What, what is that all about? Um, here, here's the rationale of the Hebrew mind in using that word set high. Um, the idea is like being set up onto a place that is totally defensible. Um, in, in the military world, uh, particularly in the ancient uh, art of engaging militarily, the important thing was gaining high ground. Um, an army that had high ground was at a great advantage. You might, if you were a Civil War buff at all, you might think back to Gettysburg. What was the key factor in the um, defeat of the Confederates at Gettysburg? It was the fact that the Union had the high ground. The Confederates were always going uphill in their attacks, and they were at a great disadvantage. Uh, And so uh, whoever trusts in the Lord is put on high ground, is, is set high. And the idea is that they're inaccessible, and they're protected in that high position. I love the imagery of that. Don't you love that? It's not just that whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. They're set high. And so when you trust in the Lord, you're set high. You're set out of reach of the enemy. 
And uh, God is going to come through for you as you trust in him. That's the antidote to fear, is trusting in the Lord. And so uh, let's continue in our thoughts about this. There's uh, several other passages that, that are really good in this realm. One that maybe many of us memorized as children. I know I've memorized this next passage uh, from a little boy on up. And it's Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And uh, it goes like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And so uh, the idea here is that when we trust in the Lord with all our heart, um, that God is going to take care of us and he's going to make our paths straight. I remember in the King James Version, which is the one I memorized as a boy, it was uh, that he will direct your paths. And we always thought of that in relation to getting guidance from God. Um, I think probably the intent of the writer was more that he would, he would work things out for you, not just that he would guide you, but that he would make your path straight. He would help you to walk through difficult times. Uh, That's the promise to those that trust in the Lord. Let's look at another one, Psalm 125, 1. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. Mount Zion was the high point that uh, the city of Jerusalem was built on, and particularly the city of David, which is where the uh, Temple Mount was located. So those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, uh, a high place, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. The second part of that scripture lets us know that Mount Zion is is a selected place, a chosen place by the Lord. And it has has a place not only today in, um, in our current situation, but it has a place in the future. It has a place for eternity, that physical location. That's, that's neat to hear. Here's another passage, Psalm 910. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Those who know your name trust in you. We know his name, don't we? Uh, We know more than just the name God or Jesus. We know who he is, those of us that have trusted him as our Lord and Savior. And uh, the promise here is that the Lord has never forsaken those who seek him. So when we have a fear and we come to the Lord and we say, help, Lord, I'm putting my trust in you. That's seeking him, by the way. And the promise here is that God has never forsaken those who seek him. So what better way of dealing with fear than to come to God, put our trust in him, and seek him for his help, and to have that guarantee that he will not forsake us. Beautiful passage and a beautiful um, assurance for us. Now let's go to Psalm 27.5. I love this one because it brings that imagery of the Hebrew language in the second part of our Key verse for today, Proverbs 29, 25, where it says that uh, he will, those that trust in him, he will set high. And uh, here's the passage. 
For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. For those of us that live in 20th century urban America, this may not mean a whole lot. But to someone who understood ancient warfare, being high upon a rock, and not, we're not talking about a, a stone, uh, you know, that's hand-sized. We're talking about setting high upon a massive stone outbreaking, a place where a person could be safe from an attacking army or an, or an attacking person, a place of advantage militarily. And so God is saying, um, as we seek him, as we trust him, he will set us high upon a rock. We'll be safe because he will be protecting us. I'd like you to think with me for a minute about some people who trusted in the Lord uh, when they were afraid. I'm not sure um, how much fear David had when he encountered Goliath, but uh, here's the deal. David was probably a teenager boy. He was young. He was... Uh, considered too young to be part of the military at that time. And uh, the giant Goliath was a seasoned warrior, and he was nine feet tall. And so uh, he had taunted the armies of Israel for some time and challenged them to send a man out to fight against him, and that whoever won that man-on-man conflict then uh, the losing side would serve the side of the winner. And he, was, he challenged them over and over again. Nobody would take up the challenge. In fact, when he spoke, they all ran. They were afraid of this man. And you can imagine that at a time when hand-to-hand conflict was the way of battle. Uh, it may not be anything today if you can have a big man, you, can, you have a bigger target for, for a gun. But this was hand-to-hand combat and he certainly had the advantage. Well, David, when he was talking to King Saul, and Saul said, how can you fight against this man? He's a seasoned warrior. You're just a boy. And David said, well, look, when I was taking care of my father's sheep and a bear came against them or a lion, I went after the bear or the lion and I killed them and I rescued the sheep out of, my, uh, out of the uh, attacking hand. And he said, I'll do the same to this um, giant because he's defied the armies of the living God. And so his trust in God gave him confidence to go out and fight this giant. In fact, as he went out and Goliath was taunting him, he said, you come to me uh, with sword and spear. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord, my God. And he will defeat you today. And he knew that. He knew that it wasn't his, his, although I'm sure that David had practiced much with a sling, it was a, it was a common thing for a shepherd to use in defense against wild animals. It was common for boys of that day to use a sling. Uh, it was used in battle. Um, so David might have been good with it, but he wasn't trusting in his skill. He was trusting in the Lord and he knew that God would give Goliath into his hand because God had given him that assurance. 
So it was his trust that helped him to be set on high. He was safe because God was protecting him and God was in the battle, so to speak. Another case of a person uh, whom God protected in a time of trouble, and that was Peter. I don't know if you remember from Acts chapter 12 when Peter was put into prison right after Herod had killed James, the brother of John. And he had seen how much this had pleased the Jews for him to do that. And so he put Peter in prison with the idea that he was going to kill him as well. Peter is chained to two soldiers and he's asleep in the prison. And you know the story that God sends an angel in there. And the angel sets him free from the soldier that he's chained to. And then he takes him out the doors. And the doors begin to open in front of him. And he takes him out of the prison and sets him free. So Peter is set high. He's delivered by the Lord because he's been doing God's work. He's been sharing the good news. He's been uh, proclaiming the gospel. People have been saved. They've been healed. And uh, he's doing God's work. And God set him on high. He set him up on a rock where he would be safe. The last one that comes to mind that's so powerful is the story of the what we used to call it as kids, the three Hebrew children. They weren't really children. They were adults, but they were, they were Hebrews, young men who had um, been captured as uh, spoils of war, so to speak, when the Babylonians had come in and raided Israel and Judah and Jerusalem. And they'd been taken back to Babylon and trained in the things of Babylon and trained into positions of leadership. And so as they were um, in these positions of leadership, Nebuchadnezzar decides that he's going to require all of his leaders to fall down and worship an idol that he's created. It's a huge thing. And he's got music and the whole thing, and he's gathered all of his leaders, and they're out on this plane, and they're to fall down on their face in worship of this idol when the trumpet is sounded. And there's three that don't fall down. And it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these Jewish leaders. And they're brought into the presence of Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, um, did you understand the order that when um, the sound was given in the music that you're to fall down and worship? And they said, well, sir, we worship God. We, we will not be falling down for this idol. And he said, the, the order is that if you don't fall down and worship this idol, you'll be cast into a burning furnace. And uh, they said, well, uh, you know, you can, you, you can cast us into that furnace and we believe that God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, um, we're not going to bow down for your idol. And uh, so Nebuchadnezzar says, heat it up seven times hotter than normal. And he sends them into the furnace. And as he's looking through the bars of the furnace, into the furnace, he sees four men, not three. And one looks like the son of God. And he calls for these young men and brings them out. 
And you know the story. As they're brought out, they don't even smell like smoke, much less having had anything burned on them. You see, God had set them on high. He had protected them because they trusted in him. And I ask the question, why do we fear? Why do we fear when we have that kind of a God who delivers, who keeps us safe, who um, can be trusted in difficult times? We need to learn to put our trust in him. Here's a passage from the New Testament that I'd like you to hear before we uh, bring this to a close. 2 Timothy 1.7. For the spirit, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Let's read it one more time. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That's true, isn't it? So when you're, you're afraid, you know that that's not from God. That may be a, a human reaction. It may be the temptation of the enemy, but it's not from God. God gives us rather a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-discipline. I'd like us to go back to Proverbs 29, 25 one more time. I love these compact Proverbs. Uh, they're so rich, so memorable. And here would be one for us to memorize. Let's say it together. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. May you be free of fear this week as you trust in the Lord and he sets you on high. Let's pray together. Oh God, we fall so often to fear. We so often have done like Abraham and caved into fear and done something wrong. But God, you're wanting to set us on high. You're wanting us to be like David. You're wanting us to be like Peter. You're wanting us to be like the three Hebrew children. And may we be like that, Lord. May we, may we trust in you and not be afraid. And we will trust you then to keep us safe. We pray these things in Jesus' name.